Hi, welcome to the Life Business Podcast. I'm Tim Segerton, pastor and business owner. And in these sessions, I'll be taking time to talk to business leaders about their stories and experiences of faith in business, which I'm confident are going to encourage, inspire, and give you practical takeaways to put into practice. And today, I have Nick Coates joining me. Nick owns a mortgage advisory firm, which has just been named as one of the top 10 mortgage advisors in New Zealand. Nick, for the fifth year in a row, that's amazing. Congratulations and welcome today. Thanks, Tim. Much appreciated. So, yeah, so good to have you with us. And uh, I'd be keen just to um, start with Nick, finding a little bit more uh, about who you are, your family, and maybe where you're based, and then we'll come back to your company in a second. Thanks, Tim. I'm married currently um, to Leanne for 14 years, and we have two boys, Jack and Josh, who are 12 and 8. We live in Millens Bay, East Auckland. Uh, our business is based uh, in Howick, East Auckland, um, and we've been attending live for about 12 years now, subsequent to our extended um, OE in London. How, how long were you in London for? Nine years. Nine years. Okay, yeah, that's a, um, a decent chunk of time in an amazing city. Um, and so how, how are you and the family handling lockdown at the moment? Have you got space? Everyone's got their own zones and you've got good Wi-Fi? <laughs> Hopefully the Wi-Fi won't let us down, Tim. But um, we were fortunate enough to uh, acquire a new property in March of this year. Um, uh, so, uh, yes, we all have enough space and, um, you know, enjoying the new home. Thanks, Tim. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Um, so Nick, I'm really keen to hear a bit about your journey into developing the mortgage advisory firm. Um, where did that start? Uh, Tim, it's a little bit of a long story, which I'm going to try and keep short. That it started by reading a book called Rich Dad Poor Dad. And um, well, I'm sure that... a lot of people listening to this will have read that. Um, those. <laughs> So uh, my great ambitions after reading that, I was sitting in South Africa and I thought, well, how can I um, generate enough money to uh, get a deposit to buy a property? Uh, That took me to London and um, I did a bit of project accounting work in London and worked on London Underground at night. So worked two jobs. And um, essentially, um, when I um, had enough or made enough money to have a deposit, um, I seeked some wisdom from different people in regards to buying a property, of uh, which was uh, with mortgage brokers at that point in time. And um, that essentially started my journey, you know, dealing with mortgage brokers for my personal property investment um, aspiration. And uh, we started investing in England and bought a few properties over there. And my dealings with mortgage advisors at that point in time were great. At the same time, I um, ran a property management business in East London. Um, and um, you know, the whole idea around that was to be close to property, property investors, and um, essentially just be all in for property at that point in time. Um, but 
quickly realized property management I really didn't like. I found it a negative industry. It mainly dealt with um, people, tenants complaining and landlords complaining. And, you know, um, it, it wasn't a nice environment. So uh, I vowed that when I set my foot on the shores of New Zealand, I will transition from property management to mortgage broking as I enjoyed the numbers and I enjoyed property. And so did you start from scratch um, the moment you hit New Zealand? There was no interim, you kind of launched straight into it? Correct. Um, I um, just did a bit of research around, you know, what we needed to do. Um, the Mortgage Broker Association put me in touch with um, what I believe one of the best mortgage advisors in New Zealand. And, um, you know, I essentially said to him, look, you know, I don't really care what I need to do. Can you just guide me, you know, on the journey? And um, the guy said yes, and um, that's where my journey started. I uh, hey. was guided and mentored by uh, somebody way more experienced than what I was. So that's a really interesting point. So right from the start, you sought this person out. Did you already have a relationship or did you just um, hear about how good they were? No, I was basically advised that, you know, he's the person to see. I was obviously seeking wisdom and uh, guidance um, at that point in time. And um, just through, shall I say, reading educational books, it's always good to um, seek seek wisdom and a good mentor. So, um, you know, they put me in touch with him. He was based in East Auckland, so um, we were very lucky. And so we'll see, and he, I'm just really interested again, and I think it's an important challenge for everyone listening that right from the start, you sought that wisdom and were bold enough to go out and ask the best person to give that to you. And he was quite open. Was he any, any yeah, reservations? Think, um, you know, his nature is to give and share, you know, so himself you know, even today, he's guiding a lot of people on on this journey. Um, so, but o- over time, I found most people are open to share. You know, as long as you're willing to learn and take on board what they tell you and guide you with. Um, so, yes, definitely would could, advise could, anybody to you know ask people's help. Could you have ever been as successful as you are now without that initial input and without his guidance? Um, I think it would have taken me much longer. Um, so yes, but not in the time frame that I've done it. Awesome, awesome. Um, Nick, we're obviously in lockdown now, and it affects a whole lot of businesses in so many different ways. Uh, how, how has it has it affected your industry? Um, our industry really learns a lot out of the first lockdown. The first lockdown um, was really not just new to our industry, but obviously all, all the listeners that's listening in. Um, you know, we went into 12-hour days in the first lockdown just dealing with people's anxiety around mortgage payments and what's going to happen if I lose my job and you know, so we really were almost like a A&E for mortgages, uh, you know, in that first lockdown. And um, this time around, people is a lot more calm. They kind of know the outcome. And um, that's helped quite a lot um, this time around for us. You know, we're not needing to deal with anxiety. 
and we can just get on with um, what we normally do, um, you know, from a day-to-day perspective. You know, most of the banks and the lawyers and the legal system know how to operate under level four. And, and although there is some constraints in the system, i.e. there's not as many open homes and not as many new clients seeking mortgage finance, um, there are obviously people that's got a bit more time on their hand to um, engage with um, mortgage advisors now, you know, to just basically get themselves property buying ready. So you're seeing opportunities in this time that um, people are taking? Yeah, look, um, I am actually enjoying the not mad rush that we've had for the last two years. So um, I'm not actively seeking so I say, you know, opportunity, I'm, I'm taking this additional time to kind of get the house in order. You know, our industry is going through a lot of regulation and changes at the moment. So um, we're just um, spending a bit of time in the background to get our systems and processes right. Very cool. So I want to talk a little bit about your, you and your team now and your business. So you're obviously very effective um, to gain this award and a pretty significant award five years in a row it's a consistently rated um, at the top of your game what what are some of the keys to this consistent success uh, some it might sound a bit cheesy but um, our philosophy in the office is, is that everything that we do um, even mortgages fixed rates everything that we do in the office has to be in the client's best interest so um People can sense that, you know, through our communication and our dealings with our clients. And I just feel a sense of genuineness about how we treat them as clients. And, um, you know, that flows through. And, um, you know, I track referrals in our business. And by far, most or majority of our referrals comes from our current clients that has had the opportunity to deal with us. So ongoing referrals um, as a key component. Uh, pairing that with experience and, and property, I'm certainly not um, the most experienced person, but just having gone through the journey of, you know, applying for mortgages myself and buying property along with our staff, you know, our staff has got more than 70 years banking, banking and lending experience. So, I've employed experienced staff and that that I feel makes the world of difference um, to myself as well as my clients. You know, um, when they can't talk to me and the staff picks up the phone, they can nine times out of 10 answer, you know, all the calls and all the questions that's needed. Um, so, yeah, good staff. And um, I would say lastly, uh, service, you know, um, we try and deliver a superior service, almost like a private banking experience, you know, so in general, people um, come away from our office and uh, feel like they've gained value out of the conversation as opposed to what they might have experienced in branch or, you know, elsewhere. Awesome. With respect to your staff, Nick, um Are you doing anything special or needing to do anything special during this lockdown period where you haven't got as many um, touch points with them? Obviously, you're dealing with very competent, experienced staff. Do they still need that input? Um, 
Yes, I, what, what I really find challenging is getting the same level of engagement. Um, um, you know, although we try and do the Zoom meetings, and although I try and phone them daily to touch base, and I keep on reminding them that I'm here for them, just give me a call. I don't, you know, on a day-to-day basis, if I'm in the office, I would get a lot more questions and feedback and understanding of where they're at and where we're at as a business, where currently in, in the whole lockdown, I feel like people are not sure whether I'm busy or not, so therefore they don't phone, you know, so they try and figure out the things themselves. So I guess I'm not sure if that's answering your question. No, it, well, it, it does. Yeah. So are you doing anything specific to combat that or to try and um, yeah, create I, engagement? Yeah, I, I try and verbally touch base with them, you know, in the mornings as well as in the afternoon, even though they haven't been in touch with me because I'm sensing they – you know, um, I wouldn't say it's scared to phone. They're not scared to phone. They just don't want to in- interrupt me because they can't see whether I'm busy or not, you know. Yeah. So, um, um, so yeah, I'm but, making a conscious effort touching base with them. No, that's really interesting. I'm sure it's mm-hmm. something uh, a lot of us can take on board and, again, consider whether that's how our staff are feeling. Nick, keen to ask... Um, you're obviously a committed Christian. Um, how has your faith influenced your view of business and your um, business? <laughs> yeah, look, um, I feel like faith and business goes hand in hand, really. Um, you know, I feel fortunate that, um, you know, I'm in business and, you know, that allows me to grow my faith, you know, because, um, you know, you, you don't have a security blanket in business. You know, you don't have a salary being paid monthly. You don't have the stresses and the worries and the concerns and all those type of things. Um, so a- as a business owner, you know, having faith is definitely key uh, to my peace of mind and, um, you know, how I run the business day to day. You know, we don't always have it all together. Um, but I just feel the regular input that we get from Pastor Paul and the team at Life um, certainly just um, helps on a weekly basis, you know, build and uh, create that faith. So you're really, I guess, putting into place principles that, that you're hearing and that, yeah, um, uh, I guess, you, you're challenged with? Yeah, it's um, I, you know, I'm always astounded by every year with life business and life conference and the goals that I have as business, you know, so much in line with, you know, what we hear, you know, from Pastor Paul and the team at life that, you know, I feel it's, it's almost if you, even if you remove the Christian content, you know, you, you learn so much from a business perspective and how to deal with people and leadership and all these type of things. So, um, you know, I, I, I cannot, you know, overemphasize the importance of regular church attendance as well as, you know, the life business uh, events uh, that you guys put on, you know, that helps me uh, grow on an annual basis and just the input that we get from some awesome people uh, within the life community um, is invaluable. Yeah, we, we are so lucky with the voices that we do hmm. get to be re- regularly encouraged by. Nick, and I'm 
can probably guess what it is, but um, what, what is the most fulfilling aspect of your job? Uh, by far, all of us in the office is helping first-time buyers. Um, uh, it is difficult for them. They do have loads of questions, and um, but it is so fulfilling taking somebody through their journey and uh, at the end, you know, the joy that they express once they've bought their first property. Um, that's it. Um, yeah, I mean, that is such a good, um, uh, I guess, purpose and reason for existing as a business. And I mm. imagine you've got story after story that you can remember. I've had friends that as first home buyers that you'd helped out. And um, yeah, they were so, so grateful for what you did for them. So that is, that's awesome, Nick. I, I love hearing that. Nick, you're also a amazingly generous man. I'm really um, and you and your wife as a couple, keen to um, uh, talk a little bit about that. I notice on your corporate emails, you direct um, clients or any, anyone external to Life's Giving Store. What, what part does generosity play in your why when it comes to business? Um, a huge part, Tim. Um, you know, apart from, I guess, looking after our clients and our family needs, um, you know, to be generous is what I feel like um, I've been called to do. And, um, you know, I've always had big dreams, like I say, and also um, not just for the business, but dreams in terms of generosity and, um, you know, to be able to financially contribute to what everybody at life is doing, whether it's through the community, evangelism, church, kingdom, you know, we just feel like we, if we can just contribute a little towards the great work that the people that I feel like they're doing such, you know, difficult work, for example, the guys in the community that's dealing with all the food packages and, you know, just the this, this stress and anger and all those things and anxiety that's out there. You know, for us to all play a little bit of a part um, is a privilege, really. And um, you, you played a big part in the legacy campaign. And um, do you want to talk a little bit uh, about that? And um, I guess your motivations there? Yeah, look, I always try and break it down to the people and I love the content again that the life people is putting out but you know if you can just help that one person or um, the one individual to find God or the one individual that um, you know delivers a food parcel or that type of thing so you know it's not really about the dollar amount but it's about you know, contributing towards the overall vision and the goal. And lucky enough for us, uh, the business has done well and we could, um, you know, give more than what we initially gave. And, you know, we we, we sold out to um, the campaign to, uh, not campaign, you know, to, um, the whole piece around legacy, you know, to deliver and help, um, you know, provide a legacy outcome for a lot of people and our family. So, um, that's, yeah. yeah. So, so awesome. Nick. Um, and I you know we'd talked offline about you being challenged in that yourself and had seen some amazing miracles take place um, over that time um, with your property situation, which I um, loved hearing about. Yeah. And I, I got to just add to that to my, you know, 
God's grace, and I, I'm 100% convinced that, you know, the success in the business, um, you know, is, is tied to our giving as well, um, you know, so... Um, I can give you countless stories. I know I've shared some with you, but I can give you countless stories of God's, um, you know, exceedingly abundantly delivering on outcomes, on transactions that, um, you know, was directly tied to our overall giving, you know. So, um, you know, um, this. It's so encouraging, Nick. So encouraging. Hey, I want to, change tact a little now and I thought it'd be awesome if you could give us some of your insights into the New Zealand economy and where interest rates are going now I'm sure you probably need to tag this out Um, uh, so feel free to do that first and then give us your perspective Um, love to hear it 100 um as you probably know i'm no economist um and i can't uh, you know i don't have a crystal ball either and uh, famously tony alexander who is an economist um you know speaks to us on a regular basis and he says nick i don't know why you guys keep on getting me um as um i keep on getting it wrong so uh, who am i to provide some guidance for you for the audience out there but uh, for what it's worth um you know i feel our economy is is doing well compared to a lot of countries Uh, overall debt level is relatively low and the fact that we're actually talking about raising interest rates and stopping the monetary stimulus ahead of expectation i believe is a good thing you know, so uh, a low interest rate environment, although we all like paying less on our mortgages, it's not really good. And uh, even if it means, you know, we're going to feel the pinch a bit, you know, increasing interest rates is actually a good thing. You know, so um, low interest rates is one of the reasons property prices has become unaffordable and, you know, asset prices has increased so much. So, um I believe we will see um, an increase in interest rates. Um, uh, the million-dollar question that nobody really knows is, is by how much. Um, you know, the Reserve Bank has indicated that um, they want to push rates back up to the norm of uh, 2%, and that's the official cash rate. Um, currently, it's at 0.25%, so that would be an increase of 1.75%. So what does that mean for you and me, Tim? Um, essentially, interest rates are at about between 4 and 5% is where the Reserve Bank ideally want to position rates. Um, as I said, you know, over what term uh, will be highly dependent on the economy and COVID and, and a few things. But I think what most of us are sure of is that rates would go up. Um, and I would suggest as early as the 6th of October, where most economists, uh, including myself, um, are predicting a 0.5% increase in rates, um, potentially with another increase in November and another in February. Um, the big reason for that is the Reserve Bank has got a remit um, which is essentially what they call a policy target agreement, which is um, where they require to keep um, annual increases um, and the inflation between 1% and 3%, so over the longer term. So with a focus uh, on keeping it around the midway point of 2%. And currently, 
Now, inflation is at 3.3%. So that's over the top threshold at the moment. And then the last quarter, the CPI increase was 1.3%, um, which is a 10-year high for a quarterly increase. Um, so um, essentially, the Reserve Bank, we believe, have to act to bring them back into that target range um, between 1% and 3%. Um, and they do that by um, increasing interest rates to um, cap the spending of people. So do you have any recommendations on how individuals, businesses should be considering this information and this likely outcome? Yeah, look, um, I, I do. Uh, the first thing is to start budgeting for a higher interest rate environment. Uh, for people that are on mortgages, majority of my clients is not being charged any break fees for breaking the mortgages because the wholesale rate is quite uh, it's higher at the moment. Uh, and I'm saying that's for the majority of them, not everybody. So some of my clients are opting to break their fixed rates now and then lock in a longer-term fixed rate whilst interest rates are still relatively low to essentially give them a bit of a um, security blanket for the next two to five years around what their repayments are going to look like. So um, you could break now, you could lock in longer-term rates. Um, everybody's situation is different, and we do basically give advice on an individual basis, while, you know, depending on whether you're moving or selling or upgrading, downgrading, changing jobs, all those type of things. But in general, consider your position, and uh, it could be beneficial for yourself to um, you know, break your mortgage rates and lock in longer-term certainty now. Awesome. And a link to that, do you or would, would you have a guess at what it's going to do to the housing market, if anything? Um, the interest rates has got a direct correlation, you know, on the housing market, uh, I believe. Um, so uh, upward movement on the rates, I believe, would create a slowing effect on the property market. I, I personally don't believe that asset prices or house prices would drop, but um, significantly in any case, you know, it could drop marginally in certain regions. But um, I do predict uh, that if interest rates goes where they um, are trying to get it to, that um, property prices would stabilize and, um, you know, the level of growth that we've experienced over the last few years, you're unlikely to get that level of growth uh, going forward. Um, so the Reserve Bank has come out and said that uh, they believe property prices um, is overpriced um, and they expect a reduction in property values. Um, however, Personally, I, I don't see that um, at the moment. Nick, that is amazing insight. Uh, are there any final thoughts that you um, want to share or any, any advice for those listening? Um, yeah, they always say cash is king, uh, which is true in today's world. Um, but I think alongside cash, uh, stock at this point uh, stands very very strongly aligned to that, you know, it's difficult um, to get stock in. So anybody that 
trade and goods and things like that, you know, uh, do do planning around the stock side of things and, and get that in. Uh, plan for high interest rates and the cost of goods. Um, we've got some severe supply chain issues at the moment and um, inflation is driven by um, that and the cost of goods rising. So um, just plan for cost of goods um, being higher. And if you're selling stuff, don't be too scared to put that additional margins on and communicate with your clients. Um, you know, uh, with a bit of transparency around why you're increasing interest rates uh, or prices, really. So um, for the business people out there that's looking to raise debt to help them, you know, through a difficult period or potentially uh, acquire assets, commercial property, residential property, and most banks are requiring um, the 2021 set of financials. Uh, I know you've got time until... March 2022 to file your tax return. But if you want to raise money, um, uh, you know, completing and finalizing your accounts uh, is um, important to do. Um, and my advice to all my clients is have a emergency blanket a safety net. So for anybody out there, I always recommend having money aside, whether you're in business or just a mum or dad. It's always good to have an emergency fund somewhere. Hey, Nick, that is absolutely brilliant, brilliant advice. And um, you are so inspiring. So Really, thank you so much for giving us your time. It's been a real blessing. And praying that the year ahead results in a, another top 10 finish next year. Um, I love your passion to excel, to um, help people, um, the generous way you live your life. And um, I know um, everyone's going to have enjoyed today's session. So thank you so much. And thank you for those that are listening today. And we will catch you later. Thank you very much, Tim. Have an awesome day.